0: Hello,
1: and welcome to The Word on the Hill With the Lanky Guys I am Father Peter Musset And I am Scott Powell And we are glad that you joined us today Absolutely,
0: we're coming in from Boulder, Colorado Where the snow is melting and the birds are singing And
1: it's a beautiful day It is a beautiful day I tell you, I'm about done with winter I know, I'm not It's really funny because, like, this year it's, like, been a really pretty mild winter. Yeah, really mild. Like, we've had, like, a snowstorm, like, or two, but but still. One and a half. One and a half. And it's really funny because everybody still is like, man, I'm really ready for winter to be done. (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready for Lent to be done. I'll tell you that. Amen. I always feel a little guilty towards the end of Lent, though, when, like, the flowers are coming out and it's, like, beautiful and the weather's great and you're like, this isn't very penitential. You should be more miserable. Yeah, it's like, give me some, like, ice age or something. Misery.
0: Then... Go to the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible out there. No, I'm just kidding,
1: all of you in the Midwest. Yeah, you know, we, we have we have listeners from all over the world. I was looking on, on our thing, and we have um somebody from the Russian Feder- Federation listening. Really? Yeah, so wow. if, if you're out there, tell us who you are, because we would love to. Uh, send us an email at lankyguys Absolutely. at thomascenter.org. And um, we would love to hear from you because if you're listening, that you're probably having a cold winter. I don't know. Yeah, it's cold out there. I'm just betting.
0: I heard on, somewhere on the radio a couple months ago there was a snowstorm near Moscow that created a traffic jam that lasted like three days. Oh. I don't even know how that happens. So if you're in that traffic jam listening to Lakey Guy. <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> downloading,
1: downloading it. Downloading <laughs> it. Then uh, we're, we, you've probably heard the last one as well, Maybe. and it's a long it's a long time.
0: We also have some folks listening in the UK, so I want to give a shout-out to James Cowell, who I think is listening out there. So if you're out there, James, hey. What's up?
1: How you doing? This is American Hello from the other side of the pond. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, all right. Okay. What do you got? What's going on? What's shaking? What's shaking? How you doing?
1: I'm doing great, man. This is a it, – it's – um. We're entering the third week of Lent. Mm. How many weeks are there this Lent? It's all is the same. <laughs> what, Twelve weeks or so? no <laughs> 24, 24 <laughs> weeks Seems of like Lent. Twelve weeks. Well, last night we had the uh, Archbishop Archbishop Samuel Aquila come ah, yes. and uh, talk to about seven men who are interested in becoming priests, or nice. we think that they should become priests. It was kind of a, a combination deal, and uh, and it Does was anybody get ordained last night. Just one guy. Nice, one guy. He, the Archbishop was just inspired. He was like boom. Nice. Here comes the boom. So it was, it was really cool because um, you know that uh, Archbishop Aquila went to see you. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Alumnus, alumna, alumnus. Alumnus. He's one of the alumni. Yes. Anyway. And uh, and it was really cool because as we were talking, like we went around the table and all the clerics that were there kind of shared some of their story. And we got to the archbishop and he's like, yeah, when I went to see you. And a lot of the guys there didn't know. Oh, they didn't know? They didn't know that Oh, that, he that must was have been CU so cool grad. for them. And they, like you could see their eyes just go like, whoa. And I said, you men are seeing a reflection of yourselves That's in a awesome. number of years. That's awesome. You know, He's a stud. He's a,
0: we're blessed to have a good archbishop here.
1: Yeah, he started the started the seminary, St. John Vianney Seminary, the first major yeah. seminary in the United States to open in 40 years. Was it? Yeah. Wow. And I was like, man, it is like the sign of hope. Yeah. And True that? And Except for they let me in. Just barely. <laughs> just barely. <laughs> we, <laughs> <laughs> well, gosh, I say we just get into it, man. Let's do it. We got some great readings today.
0: We have some of my favorites, actually. The first one's from Exodus.
1: Movement
0: of the people.
1: Bob Marley. (laughs) What's up? I'm sure his son Ziggy listens to this podcast. He does, and he's been sending us emails. Yeah, every day.
0: Just get off it, Ziggy. (laughs) You're like Ziggy. (laughs) Lay
1: off. I mean, hey. Unreal. Just my mic a little bit here, yeah, so I can pontificate properly. Ponti- yeah, well, because we need some pontification given the fact that tomorrow is the last day.
0: Tomorrow is so. Whenever you're listening to this, we are
1: in the day. So I don't know if the world has ended by now because the pope stepped down, but if it has. Yeah. Well, right now it's the 27th, which mm. we are seven hours um, behind the um, Jolly Rome. Yeah, the Jolly Rome GMT Greenwich Mean Time. Mm. And uh, so that means that I don't even know. I mean, like he's com- he, he actually... he's coming to the end of his last day today, because tomorrow, yeah. like we don't get to say his name tomorrow. So okay, so it's today is his last day. Well, I can, oh, you or know, what? Like, I, I'm I confused know. on how it works. I don't know. Let's you check know the let's check the betting pools. I'm sure that um that we've got we've got some stuff about the end of the world on, I'm on sure. some Las Vegas uh, betting sites.
0: There's a lot of people betting on who the next pope's going to. Did you say there was some final four brackets that came out today <laughs> by some. Some Catholic news service. It's the it's the sweet Sistine. Oh, dude, that's awesome. Yeah, somebody had it on their Facebook.
1: It was good. Yeah, there was a rumor running around that it is against canon law and that it was a grave sin, excommunicable if you bet on the next pope and the conclave stuff. Really? Yeah, and then they looked. The canon lawyer looked it up, and it's no longer (laughs) a valid canon law, but it was once on the books. Wow. Yeah, so if you're, you know, if you have scruples, I wouldn't advise um, doing it, but. We have not, but they have definitively answered that you can bet on this. But you can have like an
0: office pool, like March Madness, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's not
1: canonically Inappropriate. excommunicable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'd have to make some big money to get excommunicated. I guess so.
0: All right, Exodus movement, movement of the people. <laughs> stop that. That's hard.
1: All right, so this is great. So this
0: is the very beginning of the story of Exodus. We're we're our first reading comes from Exodus chapter three. So we we read he's out in Midian or he's out in. Uh, yeah, he's out in the he's out in the wilderness and he's tending the flocks. He's got a father-in-law now. He's married a guy named Jethro, who's going to be really important in the story.
1: Jeth- Jethro does have all of his teeth, by the way. He's Jethro, just, yeah, he does. The, I Clampet. don't know what I don't know why Jethro nowadays is used as a name that is Jethro like, Clampett from the Beverly Hillbillies. Is the, oh, is that what it's that. It's got to it go back to that. It's got to go back. It has to. Him. I mean, Jethro
0: Beverly Hillbillies. You've, right.
1: answered, you've answered a deep question for me.
0: Nice. I'm really happy about that.
1: Yeah. yeah. All right.
0: Thanks. Yeah, you bet. So I discovered something interesting this morning. Now check this out. So Moses is in the wilderness here. He's a shepherd. And the wilderness is a motif that's used all over the Bible. God will yeah. often take his people into the wilderness yeah. to teach them stuff or to, you know, scold them sometimes. So the Hebrew word for wilderness, which is mid-debar, the Hebrew word for wilderness is almost identical to the Hebrew word for speech, which is debar. And so, yeah, let that sink in for a second.
1: Is, isn't there also an... 80s band named Debar. <laughs> I oh no, hope that's so. Debarge. Debarge. Okay, I don't know Debarge. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody go Google that right yeah. now. <laughs> you got to listen to some Debarge at the bottom. Okay, so Debar is speech and wilderness. So it's, yeah. it's Well,
0: mid Debar, of... is wilderness. Debar is speech. So they're super closely related. So I, I just I was fascinated by that. So God <coughs> takes Moses and he takes Israel oftentimes out to the wilderness to speak to her. So the, the location is kind of the vocation, right? Where they are is what God is doing. Oh. So God has literally led Moses out into the wilderness, away from his nice life in Egypt, to speak to him, to debar him, and show him what his vocation is going to be.
1: Mid-debar, debar. Right, mid-debar, debar.
0: Let's go out to the mid-debars tonight. Debar. I'm <laughs> <laughs> in mean the wilderness. Well, we can do that. I can speak to you there. Yes, absolutely. But later on, you know, Hosea talks about God leading Israel into the wilderness so that he can woo her and speak to her. Anyway, I just thought it was a really interesting connection because whenever you see someone in the wilderness in the Old Testament, God is doing something, which is, I mean, this is why we, we go on silent retreats and stuff. We we retreat to the wilderness, so to speak, so that we can hear God speak to us, so that we can listen to his speech. and It's, a, you know, this, this long Christian understanding of that. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, that's
1: that's that's really phenomenal. I mean, it, it was actually interesting. That goes to kind of a conversation we were having right before the podcast about the nature of um, people being called to Boulder and the kind of excellence oh, yeah. of the students uh, yeah. here because they've been called to a particular location yeah. to learn about their faith and to walk with God, and they're pretty phenomenal here. They, they they're are. really and and the questions that they ask are are such that it's it's not like dissociated from. Um, a world that is pretty antagonistic towards totally. the faith, but it's actually just right in the midst. It's not like they're not shocked or scandalized that the, the world is not a, a Christian Catholic. Right. Um, it's not Christendom. They're not shocked about it. In fact, right. that they're just like, oh, well, how do we engage it? Right. That's It's it's just a, how because do Because sur- it's everyday life. Yeah, and how do I survive it? Yeah. Because this is everyday life. And so that kind of goes to that you know in in some ways there's a wilderness aspect to absolutely. what people are trying to do here and what the lord is doing here absolutely but it's connected to place i think place is really important where you are
0: needs to yeah where place. you at where you at i'm here so more about place so what what's god going to do so he goes out moses out in the wilderness and he goes to a place called mount horeb right and the word horeb literally means dryness in hebrew so he goes out to the mount of dryness in the wilderness. Right. It's hard. hard. And he sees the burning bush. Um, later on, that same mountain, Mount Horeb, will be renamed. Do you know what, what name? I'm not trying to be Socratic, but it's just kind of cool. Do you know what name Horeb is changed to later on? No. It's a mountain that you've heard of. Uh, Sinai? Sinai. It, which comes from the word Sena, which literally means bush. So they named the mountain Bush, Sena. Because that's where Moses heard God's voice speaking in the wilderness through the burning bush. Ooh. So it's kind of a neat, a neat connection. So when, you, when if you're reading the Bible and you see Horeb, it's actually the same place that they're going to. So really, here's Moses getting his call from God that you're going to go and lead the people out of Egypt. Where is he going to lead them to? Back to the place where the whole story started, back where God spoke to him initially. And they'll end up at Sinai Whoa. where he's going to receive the Ten Commandments and everything else. So it's got, the story is a, kind of a circle in nature. It's kind of cool. So, so he's there. He's at Horeb. Um, he's a shepherd. By the way, God loves shepherds, right? God loves calling shepherds. So here, Moses is a shepherd when he's called. David's a shepherd later on. Jesus is called the Good Shepherd. So whenever you see
1: shepherds, that's usually a that's a good sign. I, I play a video game called Tower Madness that you have to protect a bunch of sheep from aliens and cockroaches on my iPhone. Nice. Yeah. So I, I feel like a shepherd it's very when I'm
0: reminiscent I, of the Book of Exodus. <laughs> well, the locusts and
1: oh yeah, plagues. Legs and aliens. Aliens. Cool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So here's what happens. So he sees this burning bush, and th- this is cool too. So uh, where is it? So there an angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in fire. It appeared to Moses in fire, in fire flaming out of a bush. And he looked, and he was surprised to see that the bush, though on fire, was not consumed. So, you know, we're in the wilderness. We're at the mountain that happens to be called dryness, So just geographically, this is a place where there's actually a lot of fires. You know, lightning will strike. Heat lightning will catch these bushes. And so bushes are being burned all the time in this part of the world. It's super dry. It's super arid. There's lots of lightning, dry lightning. But this one's unique because it's on fire, but it's not being consumed. And a lot of the fathers of the church saw this as an analogy of the Christian life, right? That we are supposed to be on fire with the fire of God, the Holy Spirit burning within us. But it's a fire that doesn't destroy us. It doesn't consume us and burn us up. Which is kind of neat. It's also a, a, a kind of a, an image for purgatory. <laughs> Which is this place we go that we have the, the impurities burned off, but we're not destroyed there. We're actually made pure. That's so a lot of beautiful imagery with that. Yeah. The bush. But then, um, yeah, so, oh, this is cool. This is a great, I love this passage, but you go on. When the, Lord saw him, uh, when the Lord saw him coming over to the bush to look more closely, he called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he answered, here am I. But we, uh... I Something interesting about the Hebrew grammar, we're talking a lot about Hebrew today. In the Hebrew grammar, there's no um, superlatives and there's no uh, punctuation. So whenever you see a word repeated, it means it's a way to emphasize it. Yes. So God probably wasn't there going, Moses, Moses, Moses. If you put, if you double up something or triple up something in Hebrew or Greek, it's a way of like putting a huge exclamation point behind it. So he's probably just yelling, Moses, not, <laughs> not repeating it, but it's him saying it really loud. So he's literally yelling out to him from the bush, not just saying, Moses, Moses. That's the way when Jesus in in the Gospels and stuff says, like, truly, truly, I say to you, or amen, amen, I say to you, it's like I'm saying, this is a big deal. Look, I'm repeating this word. pay attention.
1: And like what we do in the liturgy where we go, holy, holy, holy. Exactly. I mean, he's perfectly
0: holy. Yeah. Totally.
1: So it's it's a way to say good, better, and best. It's like, uh, but you say holy, 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 holy. So Scott, Scott! <laughs> hi, hi. There was a
0: I saw a bump Father Michael Father Michael O'Laughlin, who's a great priest in Denver. Totally. A shout out. He's a Byzantine Catholic priest, and the Byzantines love to repeat things, so he has a bumper sticker on your car. It says like it says something like honk thirty five times if you're Byzantine. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny. Anyway. Anyway. So uh, here's Mo, here's God. He's in the burning bush, and he he kind of identifies himself. I'm the God of your fathers, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm here to lead you out. I'm here to lead your people out of Egypt. And I'm bummed that this reading that was chosen by the church actually leaves out one of the one of the most important parts for some reason. I'm not criticizing it, but it you know it has to be efficient. Yeah. But uh, God says I'm going to do all these things. This is who I am. I'm going to free my people. And Moses is like, great, that's awesome. And then God's like, but you're going to do it. I'm going to ask you to <laughs> actually go to Pharaoh and figure it out. And that's not in here. And then Moses flips out, right? And he, he starts to look a little bit less like Charlton Heston and more like us. He's like, no, I can't do it. I don't know how to speak well. He's, blah, like, blah, he's, blah.
1: he's like, he's like, kids speak right. Okay. So, I'm... so it's good. I mean, we,
0: but, but the church removes the part about Moses whining and saying, I can't do it. And it just kind of jumps ahead to where Moses says, okay, so if I go to the Israelites and tell them somebody wants to set you free, <laughs> who am I supposed to say sent me? Which is which is actually pretty important. Yeah, the name exactly. It's huge. So this is the first time ever that God's name is actually revealed. He says, "Tell them, I am who am, sent you." Which is where we get the, the word Yahweh, Y H W H. It's a form of the Hebrew term to be, which is actually really cool. It, again, gr- the grammar in this whole passage is cool because it's it's a derivation of the Hebrew verb to be, which means. It's not I was or I'm going to be. It's I. It's the it's the all encompassing I am. So the tense again identifies who he is. That's that's awesome. And names, you know, re- revelation of a name is always uh, an invitation into intimacy, right? Even if you answer the phone, right? You don't always identify who you are until you know who's calling, right? Yeah, and, it, and then you know you can.
1: Yeah, and and also, I mean, you know this too with uh, a lot of the homeless folks. They won't give you the real names. Oh, yeah. That's true. Because to to give a a name is to uh, then you uh, have power. That's true. They do that on the Appalachian Trail too. Really?
0: Everyone takes on like a a trail name or people who do it for long periods of time. Did did you have a trail name? No. I never did it for more than like a week.
1: Oh. I will take on my trail name now. (laughs) Good. I cannot utter it. I will utter it in in encrypted form. (laughs) You're speaking in utterances. Mm-hmm.
0: What what is that passage in Corinthians? Utter, utterances Spirit.
1: known only makes, by the Spirit. Yeah, it speaks yeah. in utterance. Gutters gutter gutter. 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 groans. Gutter F- groans to the one who's above. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so well, I just took off my shoes because we are in the presence of God. Um and uh because that's what Moses had to do. Nice. Because <laughs> there's a flaming bush outside right now. Right there, I see it. Crack guys, crackling, away.
0: You guys have no idea. What
1: it's, we're yeah, it's it pretty crazy. It's not it's consumed. Intense. Nope. Well, that one is, but not that one. Man, it's, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it's getting weird. Call the fire department.
0: I will. Okay. After we finish this. Okay. All right. So that that's all I got about the first reading. It's a cool reading, though.
1: Anything to add? No, man. I think you covered it. You're you're the ace here, man. No, no. Okay. I that, just I just studied this morning. Uh, yes. You were busy doing priestly things. I was doing prizzly things, frizzly oh. things, frizzly things. Okay, now so let's this... respond to oil on this psalm. Let's... <laughs> oh, nice work, uh... well said. Oh, thank you. Oh.
0: That's uh... all. I got. I, yeah, me too. So it's a good one. This one, this one is this is one of those psalms that I always hum like in the car or in the shower for some reason. This one always sticks in my head. The Lord is kind and merciful. Oh yeah, yeah. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Mark Thomas, would hate me. <laughs> so here's the thing about this. This is a cool. I, I like this psalm, um, and I, I, not to get too. There's nothing really deep theological, but, um, what some writers that I read about this this psalm, they're saying, this is actually the soul encouraging itself to worship God. I mean, it, all all the whole psalm, if you read the whole thing, which is yeah. this 103, the whole thing is actually it's not. It's not, you know, humans crying out to God or it's not us trying to proclaim something. It's the soul speaking to itself in every single verse. So uh, us telling ourselves what to do, reminding ourselves essentially of who God is. And I was reading there's a, one of the fathers of the church, or maybe he might be an Orthodox saint. St. John Cassian talks about different, different senses of scripture. And so he talks about, you know, one of the senses of Scripture is just the literal meaning of it. it it's kind of uh, similar to the church's understanding of different senses, the the literal, the allegorical, the anagogical. But he puts it in simpler terms. So he talks about um, the the first sense of Scripture is just what, what it says. The second sense of Scripture is always that it's speaking about Jesus. Christological. The old, yeah, the Christological meaning. So it's pointing ahead. But then the third one is that that, that doesn't mean anything unless it permeates us. So it needs to speak in and of itself, about Jesus to us. So that's what he says the third way. So we actually have to respond to it. So he said that this psalm is is uh, the scripture actually telling us how to react, that you need to, you need to do something about this. Bless the Lord, my soul, and respond uh. to this, which is kind of what's happening with Moses too. Moses is being told by God. He's being called by God for a response. You need to respond to what I'm doing, and he's whiny about it and so we get the psalm which is encouraging us to not be like Moses in that sense.
1: Yeah, that and cool? and we're and spiritually we're always meant to even in the midst of the greatest trials praise the Lord. Yeah. Uh, even even when a lot is being asked of us because totally. the disposition of praising the Lord makes us uh, it helps us through the training that we're receiving. Totally. Because the training yeah. is is oftentimes like basic training, and it's hard, and Aww. you're going through it. But the Lord is giving us everything that we need so that we can accomplish a mission. Like Moses, yeah. he needed to see a burning bush, because the task that was about to be take place was going to be very difficult, and he, yeah. he needed some sort of affirmation before he launched totally. in. And so, yeah. to praise the Lord for the gifts that He gives us, so that we have what we need, because otherwise, sometimes. The tasks become hard, and we go like, "I don't have what I need." Totally. To it's kind of like this. the Transfiguration last week. Yes, that Peter, James, and John were let
0: in on this secret; they're given a glimpse because they need it. They to keep going.
1: Yeah, and to to, to get for insight. the foundation of the church and to endure the passion that they were about to witness. Exactly, that's then, a really good insight. So bless the Lord, my soul. Ooh, neat. The Lord neat. is kind and merciful. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm just amid, I'm just I just learned it by watching you. <laughs> I learned it by watching you, Dad. Wasn't that a commercial? Yeah, that was like that was like the smoking a, an anti-drug commercial, commercial. Oh, drugs. Yeah. Yeah, he was. He the dad comes Where in with like. Where did you learn a, that? Where did you learn this? Where did you learn how to do this? I learned, I learned it from, from watching you, you, Dad. We grew up in the 80s. Yes, we did, man. That was a powerful ad. It still we'll stuck with day. us. Yeah, I mean. We remember it? Yeah, most people I know who grew up in the 90s and 80s. 90s, 80s. Do you remember that? I bet. I bet all of our 80s and 90s people will remember that. Yes, and, and the other one that they're gonna remember is this is your brain. This, this is, is your brain, brain on drugs. drugs. First Corinthians. First Corinthians is great.
0: So the connection is is super cool here because it's not visible at first glance, I don't think.
1: Except for the word Moses. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But that it's more than that.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love this passage. All right, so 1 Corinthians. So here's what Paul's saying. So Paul's speaking to the church in Corinth who are having big time problems. We talked about them before. Yes. So they're they're committing all these sins. They're they're basically trying their main problem is that they're trying to kind of have two both feet in in different things. So they're kind of keeping one foot in the old pagan lifestyle that they had before, they're still wanting to go to these temples and eat, mate, sacrifice idols and all this stuff. And they're also wanting to go to mass and you'd be good Catholics and Christians and do what they're supposed to do. And Paul's saying you can't have it both ways, essentially. So that's the, that's the back story. But here's what he says. He says, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud. Now, what's that referring to? Do you know? I understand. Uh, well, let, but, me, let me read on. I don't know. All of these things connect. So our ancestors were all under the cloud. They all passed through the sea. All of them were baptized into Moses in the cloud in the sea. They all ate the same supernatural food. They drank the same supernatural drink, for they drank from a spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. This is this is all the Exodus. It's all the story of the Exodus. So you can go through one by one. So what's the what's the cloud that they were under?
1: The cloud would be the um, uh, presence of uh, the 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 cl- yeah. cloud and fire that followed before and yeah. behind them. Yeah, which was the presence of God. Yeah, so, and, so, and, then, and then went up on Mount Sinai, Exactly. Yeah. like we heard in the Transfiguration song last week.
0: Yeah, seriously. By the way, I think the song that we're going to have, you're going to be listening to, is by uh, a great guy, a good friend of mine named David Wilton, who's a stud. Band a boy in his kite, and he's got a great song about Lent. So huh. enjoy David Wilton. Check him out on iTunes. He's a stud. Good man. Anyway... Um, so they're under the cloud and that would be, you know, they would be thinking of, oh, the cloud that we, we followed in the Exodus. They all passed through the sea, right? Crossing through the Red Red Sea. Sea. Paul refers to that as a kind of baptism. They were baptized by, you know, I mean, what's baptism? We move from slavery to sin to freedom. What's the Exodus? Well, they moved to slavery in Egypt through the water into freedom in the promised land. So it's totally prefigurement of baptism. They uh, in the cloud and in the sea. They ate the same supernatural food. What was the, su- what was the supernatural food? Yeah, I know. The manna from heaven. Manna the supernatural from heaven. drink from the water from the rock.
1: I don't think that the spiritual food would be considered the quails that they ended up having to puke out of their nose. Though I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> yeah, quails coming out of their nose. That's literally what it says. Yeah, dude. Around. That man. You know, times are hard because they're like when it's coming out the nose.
0: I feel that way when there's donuts in the office. Like whenever <laughs> I see like donuts at the show. Up <laughs> In our office, I want to eat so many of them. I feel like they're coming out of my nose.
1: So I'm, <laughs> I'm with the Israelites. I know where they're coming from. Yeah, I'm gonna get you quail donuts. That sucks. That's, that's <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awful, dude. You have to pull the feathers out. Have okay. you heard about
0: the the cheeseburger that is on two donuts? Donuts is buns, cheeseburger in the middle. <gasps> yeah, that sounds
1: so good. Oh. Only if only if those um, buns are like <laughs> they're like uh, glazed donut sautéed butter. Oh, no, sounds
0: good, but I feel like I want to vomit. Yeah, yeah.
1: All right. Your notes. So but, but, here's here's my qu- oh, but but there's a big but, and, and that big but is that all of these things were prefigured in Christ? Like what, yes. we're, what we're reading is totally. like that this is these are all foreshadowings of of Christ. Oh yeah,
0: they're all pointing ahead, like we talked about before. But. The other sense of Scripture.
1: Yes. But here's
0: the so here's the here's the catch though. So all those things are beautiful and this is all good. Now, well, again, I hate well. I like Socratic questions. You know what? Leave me alone. I like doing it. Okay. What word is repeated more than any other word in that passage so far? Uh, Cloud. No. (laughs) (laughs) Ate. No. Drank. No. Christ. No. Following. It's the second word of every one of the lines. Uh, All. All. So, a bunch of times. So, so follow this for a
1: second.
0: (laughs) So, check this out. So, he's saying, All of our ancestors went through the, they followed the cloud. They all went through the Red Sea. They all ate the quail. They all ate the manna. They all ate the water, right? Mm -hmm. All, 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 all. But then he, he switches it and he says in the very, toward the end, yet with, yet God was not pleased with most, most of them for their structure on the desert. So he gives a little twist. So what is he saying here? He says, okay, everybody saw the stuff that God did. Everybody saw the cloud. Everybody saw the sea parted. Everybody ate the manna from heaven, but most of them didn't make it into the promised land. Most of them failed. Who made it in the promised land? It was Joshua and Caleb, right? And then the whole rest of the generation died. So he's saying they all saw it. They all had it. They all took it in. They all ate it, but most of them died. And I think it's a really important warning because what it says to me, and I think what he's saying to the church in Corinth is you know what? That's great. You're all baptized. You're all going to Mass. You're all receiving the Eucharist. You're all doing the stuff. But that's not a guarantee that you're going to make it. They all saw the stuff in the Exodus, but most of them didn't make it. So if you're going through the motions and if you're going to mass and if you're doing the stuff Hmm. and you're also then going out and going to the pagan ceremonies and doing all these other terrible things on the side during the rest of the week, guess what? You're going to be like your ancestors and you're not going to make it because you can't do that. I think it's a uh,
1: it's a big wake-up call. It is and it's interesting that the uh, in the eucharistic prayer particularly with the chalice is that the forgiveness of sins and they move we used to translate it all and now it's translated most. most.
0: Right. I've always I wondered about that.
1: Yeah. And, and in some ways this is this is the thing is oh, that this affords for most. But... Well, in the context he's talking about the liturgy here.
0: In the context of 1 Corinthians he's talking about mass. So that's interesting. That's cool. There you go. That's a little that's a little helpful explanation for you. And he says, he goes on to say, these things are examples for us. So basically notice what's happening here. Don't forget what your ancestors did, or else you're otherwise you're do the same thing.
1: Yeah, we're gonna get made an example of. Mm. 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 So no downloading off Pirate Bay. Amen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's cool. I mean, most of the times the second reading is a wild card reading, but I think it ties in really, really well. It ties in beautifully. Yeah, but then what? The one that doesn't seem like it ties in is the gospel, <laughs> but it does. I think this is a weird gospel reading. I think it's one of the weirdest readings in the gospels. Yeah, it's, and it
1: shows up in Mark too. Yeah, it, it's this. It's this moment of like this contemporary tragic event of totally. eighteen people dying by yeah. a tower falling over and killing them. Right. Right. And like, and and he's just like, "Let that be a warning to you." Yes. So, so that's the backdrop. So, what? What do you?
0: It's great. I mean, I sorry I'm bumbling my words but what does this mean so it's like you said it's a, it's a contemporary thing this is something that Jesus is basically just talking current events yeah. he's like oh it's like this it's like remember you guys all heard about those Galileans that were killed by what were the Galileans killed by uh, uh, oh the, the ones whose blood Pilate mingled with their sacrifices right then the others in Jerusalem who the Tower of Siloam fell on so what is everybody in Jerusalem what are all the Jewish people in Palestine wanting to do what's, what's their big current event concern They've got a problem. Their their society
1: is a problem. Oppression. Oppression the, mean, by they're, Rome. They're Rome, yeah. Right? They're, they're an occupied t- nation. Yeah. So everybody wants to do what? Be freed from the occupation. Yeah. So Revolution.
0: What, what, revolution. So what they're doing, I mean, everybody's waged, wanting to wage their war. Everybody's gathering. The, this is why, you know, in the, the Sermon on the Mount, for example, when Jesus goes out to the hillsides in Galilee and stands up on a mountain and gives a speech, I mean, that's what you did in the, in, in the first century. If you wanted to rally the troops and get a little militia or an army and, and claim yourself to be potentially the next king, you would go out to the hill slopes in Galilee and get up on a mountain and give speeches. So if you want to hear where all the revolutionaries were gathering and what they were saying and what they were plotting and planning, that's what you do. So Jesus, people see Jesus and his, his cronies going out to the wilderness. He gets up on a mountain. He starts giving a speech. That's why everyone's surrounding. Them. They're like, okay, what's this guy going to say? How's he going to defeat Rome? And he gives this crazy speech about, no loving your enemies and uh, praying for those who persecute you, namely the centurions and the Romans and everybody else. And go an extra this, mile, yeah. And go in the extra mile and you know, turning the other cheek when they slap you and carrying their bag, all of which the Roman centurions would have forced them to do. And I, I, here, I think this is interesting. So Jesus keeps... I, I think it has... The message of Jesus, which we're all just kind of used to, forgiving your enemies and loving people, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it had a really specific, (laughs) really powerful object for them. Yeah, It's the Roman centurions that would kill them as soon as look at them, that were raping people, that were doing awful, unspeakable things. That's who their enemy was. But if you remember, who's the first person in the gospel to proclaim that Jesus was the son of God? Peter. No. He proclaims he's Christ. You were the Christ, the son of the living God which was a title for the king. So he knows he's king, Yes, but there's only one person, the first person who says this was truly, this was the son of God. The centurion. It's a Roman centurion. I mean, is it any coincidence that then, and if you read on the gospels, it's Roman centurions left and right who are coming to the gospel and who are flocking to the cross and who want healing from Jesus. I mean, could it be if if people took Jesus' words seriously, you could convert Rome, which I think is remarkable. But... Be that as it may, what's going on now? Everybody wants to fight against Rome. And so Jesus is pulling these current events and saying, okay, this is what people are doing. If they, if you want revolution, you're going to be killed by Pilate and have your blood mingled with the sacrifices. Or you're going to be crushed by this falling tower in Siloam. Basically, what he's saying is if you pursue this, he even says it, right? He says at the very end of that first part, but if if you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. And according to the people in his story, how did the people that in the story he just told perish? Two things. Uh, by Rome and by accident. No. By Rome and by, just specifically, how did they die? By a tower falling on A them. big building fell on top of them. Do you know how most of the revolutionaries in Jerusalem died? No. A big building called the temple fell
1: on top of them when Rome invaded and they lost the war. Because the siege works of Rome were just, they were just pounding because one stone exactly. was going to be left on top of the other. And exactly. Exactly. So when
0: Jesus says, if you don't repent of your false alliances, your false oh. ideas of what it means to be a follower in the kingdom of God, you will all perish, but not just that, as they did. So in other words, you'll either be killed by Rome or crushed by a building, which all comes true.
1: Wow. And they may even be killed by Rome crushing a building. Crushing a building. Yeah. <laughs> That's but just, it's, it's really potent
0: because – and then it ties in to everything we just – what you said in the, the second reading, right? You've got to you're, – you're, you're, it's a warning. You're living in the wrong life. You're going down the wrong route. And, and they're basically saying, you know, we've got the temple. We've got the Torah. We've got all this stuff going for us. We're the people of God. But they're actually all going to die in their pursuit of that. And that's not, you know, people, people have used that for stupid anti-Semitism and stuff. No, it's just a warning for all the people of God that if we misalign ourselves, despite all the gifts that God has given us, we've got we to gotta do the right thing.
1: Yes. And, and what is the right thing? And that's actually where the second part of the gospel leads us. Right. The right thing is to bear fruit. Yeah. So we have this fig tree is this uh, analogy that lands us hmm. to saying, OK, he's like, let me just tell you something here. He says, a man planted a fig tree and, and, and came and looked for fruit from it, hmm. but he didn't find any. So he said, I've done this three years in a row, but I haven't found any. Cut it down. Three years, which is oh, the, minis- the ministry of Jesus Christ oh. for his public ministry. And so he said, okay, at the end of it, guess what? This isn't working. The fruit for that I was looking for from this place, from this tree... Wow. And, um, and and so and, and, and this is actually a very potent image for Israel because they would see that the, they would identify themselves with the olive tree from the prophetic the Well, the tradition. fig tree specifically. I mean, all the prophets call Israel a fig tree. Yeah, the fig tree. Be, and, and they would, you know, build a hedge and put a tower and yes. all these things. This is yes. how they would understand themselves from the outside. And so yes. for him to say that, he's like, he's like he's, these are fighting words in a Absolutely. very, very direct way. And he says, why should it exhaust the soil? He says leave it this year also and I'll cultivate it the ground and fertilize it may bear fruit in the future if not you can cut it down. Yeah. And then, and and then that's actually that's the interesting thing is that Jesus Christ actually doesn't demand that outside but he demands it internally and he himself yeah. goes to the tree and is cut down and then allows Israel to bear fruit through his death and his resurrection. He takes that's all of huge. the curse onto himself. He becomes the tree. Or he goes onto the tree. He goes onto the tree and allows himself to be cut down. Wow. And and that's like that's, that's why cool. it's it's all the like so he so he speaks against it and at the same time it is it is very directly against what this temple reality totally. that, that is going to collapse upon itself. Totally. But it has to bear fruit first. Right. And, and and then it and then it does and um and because you know what, we have to take care not to um, not to, to be in these places of, of, um, unfruitfulness. Yeah. Um, wow. And so that's cool. And so that's why, you know, that's why Moses is preparing the way to allow us to follow after no matter what. And for our souls to bless the Lord and for, um, this, um, understanding that it all ends up in Christ. Totally. Those are really good readings. And, and, uh, and i like that i i I don't want to be cut down though no you know i just i want to be remaining fruitful so this is the time to for fruitfulness like this is the time it's not tomorrow it's not today it's not yesterday it's not in the future it's just now so don't hesitate whatever is moving you in your heart you just do it and whatever the lord is asking of you right now be not afraid because um he's just going to keep on giving you the goods (laughs) amen even if it is in a pedantic manner or a, a Socratic manner.
0: Or a long-winded podcast.
1: Long-winded. No. Well, no. well email us at org. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you again next <laughs> week. See you next week. Bye-bye.
0: The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado, www.thomascenter.org. You can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. See you next week.